there Orvillians. um this is dan taylor with the planetary union network i'm i'm not sure if Orvillians is the official term that fans are calling themselves i think that's still being debated on various facebook uh groups and message boards i like Orvillians. so arborists no joe arborist is never gonna stick neither is <laughs> neither is donkey huggers <laughs> I like donkey, <laughs> donkey huggers. huggers. Okay, that's my that, that's my new favorite. <laughs> Throwing my weight behind that. Sorry, one. arborists. Um, and but here at Planetary Union Network, we're calling our listeners punsters. I think that's what we officially decided. So greetings and welcome, punsters. Um, I as I've stated, I'm Dan Taylor, uh, co-host of the Planetary Union Network, the Orville Fan Podcast, and with me is my co-host Joe Quickle. Hey, everybody! And our guest on this episode is Michael May. How you doing, Michael? I am full of shame and regrets. <laughs> okay, <laughs> but um... I'm just now getting into uh, <laughs> the Orville, <laughs> but we could talk about that later. Now, before we uh, go any further, um, which Mocklin did you play in the last episode about a girl? Who, me? Yeah, yeah, because every guest we've had so far has been either like a hologram ogre or a spiky-headed alien in a yeah. zoo. Yeah, well, I, I was figuring um, you were some sort of alien, correct? I was or? the baby. After oh. they after they made the transition, I was the so I was only in it for just like a couple of seconds. But you sound like a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> At actually, last, someone's figured me out. <laughs> actually, uh, Michael May and I go way back. We've done a number of podcasts together in the past. Uh, we did a Star Trek Star Wars podcast um, called Star which is now defunct and has gone the way of the dodo. And we're currently doing a podcast called nerd world that's n3rd world and which just uh we're still talking about star trek and star wars but we're talking about more stuff more sci-fi and stuff about that but michael like you said is excited about the orville and wanted to jump on and talk to us and talk with us about the orville so we're happy to have him yay now let's get into what are we getting into first, Joe? So, actually, did we want to do we want to start with the uh, the elephant in the room, or do we want to go to the episode discussion? First? Let's talk about the episode first. Yeah. Uh, the episode that we saw last night um, was "If the Stars Should Appear," and again, this is the fourth episode written by Seth MacFarlane. Uh, I think we figured he's written about he's nine of the thirteen that we're going to see. Correct? I believe so. Fourth episode end. I think the show's still going strong. What are you, uh, your initial thoughts, Joe? Yeah, it it just keeps getting better, and uh, I believe this was the second one that was produced. So um, I, I just can't imagine it going anywhere but up. Even throwing in some Ralph Waldo Emerson quotes. <laughs> I actually I meant to start off the episode with that. If the stars <laughs> should appear one night in a thousand years, how would men believe in a door and preserve for many generations the resem- the remembrance of the city of God which had been shown? But every night come out these envoys of beauty and light the universe with their admonishing admonishing smile. Michael's used to my butchering of language, <laughs> having so podcast cool. numerous times. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Um, what are your initial thoughts of the, uh, last night's episode, Michael? Uh, it, great. I mean, I it's going to be take a, a really long time, I think, for them to match episode three for me. But this was super strong, and um, and you know, it, it was cool how they. Well, see, I thought it was all going to be Fallout from that, you know, because it starts off with the, the, the um, Bordis and Clyden. Um, but then it's not really about all of that. And, uh, yeah, it was, it was good. Like I, 
I don't know how deep you want to get into it right this second, but <laughs> like, well, the cold opening for the show dealt with, um, like, like you said, it, like you brought up, it dealt with um, Commander Bordis and Clyden, and apparently there's some sort of the honeymoon is over. Mm-hmm. Now we've noted that that this episode was actually recorded or actually filmed before uh, about a girl. So I'm wondering if they went back and sh- shot this afterwards, or if that was the plan. You, you guys, you guys, following me here? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's interesting because they don't they don't mention the baby at all. Um, they, they do mention the baby. Do they? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I missed we, it. We, we see her sit sleeping in or him now sleeping yeah. at the foot of the bed, and you don't have time for me and the baby anymore. So it is mentioned, Michael. Thanks for paying right. attention. Yeah, <laughs> so I, I, I'm, I, I kind of have a, a little bit of another thought on that is uh, given the uh, production order um, and that I believe that episodes one and four were written very close to each other. If they went, just went back and fleshed out uh, those scenes or those actual full episodes of episode, what became episode two and three, um, and put them between that because the talking about the baby and things like that. So maybe just two other full episodes. That makes sense. And I did notice in this episode, two points of dialogue that we've seen before. Yeah. Um, no, one of them. Can you open this jar of pickles for me? Right. Yep. And, uh, boom, bitch. Was that in another one? Wasn't that not in the first episode, Old Wounds? Uh, I think you said boom quite a bit, but I believe that one was just from a lot of the trailers. Okay, could be. Maybe that's got, I'm a little confused there because I saw the trailer so many, so many times. Because that threw me off guard. I'm like, oh, okay, if that's going to be his catchphrase, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, one uh-huh. of, another thing I've been noticing, uh, is that okay? So the pilot episode, um, at least with the command badges, it's the full uh, has the stars in the in the field of the planetary union um, command badge, and then the previous two episodes after that, uh, the field is completely white. And with this episode, now it's back to having the stars in the field. Huh. So production mm-hmm. order and and timing of the episodes. So. Um... Did Alara have her eyebrows in this last episode? I didn't actually notice. I think she did. I think she did. I think she did. This is why fans of these kind of shows, I guess, love these shows is they they nitpick them and these sort of things stand out just because of our devotion and towards these kinds of programming. Um, But that that aside all that sort of side i am still enjoying you know enjoying the orville very much so and it has nothing to you know those are i'm not even going to quibble about those sort of things i mean fine we notice them but they don't affect my enjoyment of the show whatsoever no no yeah it's like watching you know you see star wars so many times and you you start to pick out all the little bloopers and stuff and that's you know part of the fun it doesn't mean you don't like it or even that it takes away from it it's just uh it's just something you notice Right, and we of course we can always turn the Orville into a drinking game. Take a drink every time he says, "Open this jar of pickles for me." Right. Well, and I kind of like the idea. It kind of threw me at first when he said it, but then I thought, well, you know, if that becomes his like his, his little thing, like their little joke together. You know, I'm cool with that. If it's just like a recurring gag. Yeah. Um, people in the workplace have that sort of banter all the time, where you know they say the same things over and over again. Right. So he doesn't, I, I don't think Seth MacFarlane as the writer of this program needs to come up with a different way to ask for her to open up a door. And they touch on that in this episode where she states how the captain just kind of sees her mm-hmm. as a tool to, you know, utilize her strength. Yeah. So not in a negative way though, not in a negative way, but that makes sense as to why that he may have used that line of dialogue again. Mm-hmm. Just to reiterate the fact of how she feels, you know, about the relationship and how the captain views her. 
Yeah. I also think there may be a little bit more uh, that'll end up between them sometime later, given the dialogue between Alara and uh, Kelly. Yeah, it's certainly hitting that way. Mm-hmm. And that was interesting. Also, like at the beginning of the episode, they touched on um, Bordas's relationship with Clyden, his mate. And then we have Kelly and Alara talking about relationships as well. And then we also have Isaac asking about relationships. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, he's not really coming off as a racist robot. <laughs> no, I think they're more speciesist now, really. Mm-hmm. I know they, you know, they win in the pilot by you know calling them legendarily racist, but uh, it just seems more speciesism than it is racism. <laughs> and they doesn't seem to have a sort of uh, disapproval or a bigot attitude towards them. So, uh, uh-uh. I don't. I mean, he seems like legitimately fascinated by them. Like the qu- kind of questions he asks. Like I know everybody's talked about how. Mark Jackson's voice sounds a lot like um, Brent Spiner's voice, or the just the, the the vocal inflections that he uses. But even like the the way the character, like just the dialogue, he, he seems much more fascinated and like trying to learn about them. Which you know, that's what he said in the first episode that he was going to be doing was trying to learn about them. But I'm with you guys. Like I I'd, I want to see a little bit of like snottiness in it too. Yeah. Um. This episode, he definitely, the character of Isaac definitely had a lot of data-ish, data-isk, data-like, yeah, um, inflection to his character. I, I, at points, I, I didn't notice it so much in the um, command performance because he had a pretty decent, you know, chunk of screen time in that episode as well. And I found him more aloof at that point. In this point, in this episode, he definitely had more of a a uh, curiosity towards humans um, and a data-like attitude towards his crewmates. Now, how many episodes, or how frequently are we going to see uh, Yafit making an attempt with the Doctor? We're well, at least with uh, Doctor attempts. We're at two of four. Yeah. I'm ready for that to be done. And back-to-back episodes, too. Right. Um, Again, it's not... It doesn't take away from me from the show, just there's a lot more to explore, I think, character-wise and story-wise than perhaps, you know, throwing in in uh, those sequences just for a joke. I mean, there's plenty of other humor. Like, in this last episode, I, I thought it was hilarious how he was trying to still be very diplomatic while he was trying to eat at the table with the aliens. <laughs> um, yeah, I felt like that joke was going to go somewhere funnier than it did, but it was, it was, it was a cute moment, but it wasn't like hilarious. And that would, that's another aspect of the comedy. I think of the Orville is not everything is laugh out loud, funny, right? Chock full of guffaws. It's, um, there's subtleness to a lot of it. And we're, not even at times it might not even be just comedy, but it's just human behavior. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the things, one of the strong points I find with the Orville. So what did we all think of the surprise guest star in this episode? It was definitely a surprise. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They, they didn't tease that at all. We, we, We know some of the guests that are coming, but yeah, that, that was completely out there. Um, again, if you're listening to this podcast, this is a spoiler filled podcast. So you've been warned if, um, you haven't watched the episode, come back, listen to us later. But yeah, Liam Neeson, um, makes an appearance. It's rather, you know, uh, just a talking head on a, on a viewer screen to, uh, tell and, and, uh, move the story forward. A little background information, but I think that I'm going to find it a fun aspect of this program is if we're going to be playing the game, who's it going to be this week? Yeah, so just I mean, because we didn't even recognize um, Rob Lowe as the alien, we just all happen to know about it because of the internet. 
Yeah, um, I didn't know it until like I've seen that episode twice, and I didn't know it until I was listening to your guys' show. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad we could be informative, Absolutely. and um, and then Ed Mercer's parents too, with uh, yeah Jeffrey Tambor, Tambor and, and Holland Taylor. That was a nice, nice surprise. Though we heard we were they were going to be on it, and I suspected that they would be playing his parents. But that was a good scene. That was a fun scene. That's one of the funnier scenes I think so far with that we've uh, we've had in the Orville without being slapstick type funny. It, it works very well. I mean, parents are are embarrassing, and that uh, that reminds me of another good dialogue exchange in this last episode between Malloy and. Um, Lamar, when they're talking about, well, I would rather have dinner with my, or I'd rather have brunch with my parents. Well, I'd rather have my brunch with my parents and their parents. Well, I'd rather have brunch with my parents and their friends who just got back from a vacation where they saw a baby. That was that was fun. Just got stuff. back from Florida. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then another element in this episode, and we've talked about how they've used it as a um, story element before. Clytus was watching uh, Sound of Music. Yeah, what's up with uh, starting right in the middle? Is he just watching clips? Or um, you know, I thought that was kind of interesting. I well, I, I think uh, just character-wise, a song about being sixteen, turning seventeen, girly type stuff may have, you know, maybe it's a maybe that's his go-to scene. Yeah, um, the, the the Rocky Road ice cream and Sound of Music scene just killed me. Like it was, was awesome. <laughs> it was awesome. I just like I got the feeling though he'd never seen that movie before, and like the computer just selected it for him. So I was just trying to, in my head, explain why Could, okay. it might be, you know, starting in the middle. But uh, but maybe it is. Like maybe maybe he's got it bookmarked and favorited and you know liked and all that, and so the computer just kind of picked up where he left off last time or something. And the program has used ancient pop culture. And three of the four episodes now, right? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I don't think we outright saw it in the first episode, Old Wounds. But there was the reference to uh, uh, um, Housewives in New Jersey and reality TV in the second episode. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, which was a great gag. Mm-hmm. There was the uh, use of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in About a Girl episode, which was very poignant. At least I found, and you know, kind of even even further hit me in the feels. <laughs> <laughs> and then this uh, uh, sound of music. So another aspect we might be looking for in more episodes is, you know, what use of pulp culture are we going to use in this episode? Uh, and then also, you know, we had Kermit the Frog make an appearance in an episode, which I I love that. Oh, that was so good. Yeah. And you got um, the friends reference during the interrogation. Uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> these, these people 400 years from now love their late 20th, early 21st century television. Yeah. Maybe they had a, um, you know, a massive, you know, drought of entertainment for 400 years or. Well, they did in the Star Trek universe too. So it's fair. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I think uh, what was it? One of the characters in this last episode mentioned how even Earth history was kind of fuzzy. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think that was so much a world building kind of a thing as it was just a comment on like reality. I, I mean, I think that's true that you know we we do forget our own history sometimes, or we kind of well, maybe there was a big it. big fuzzy point in entertainment where there was no good entertainment. <laughs> yeah. Um, what else stood out? to you guys in this last episode well i want to go back to uh to bordis and clyden for a minute because one thing that struck me was that what they're going through right now is very similar to what kelly grayson says went wrong with her relationship with ed and uh so i it'll be interesting to kind of see if they kind of continue on this path if it becomes a bigger issue as it goes and you know whether uh you know bordas and or clyden um you know look to ed and kelly for advice in it that that Um, is a good point i mean it almost it's almost exactly mirroring the problems that we heard with ed and kelly right yeah maybe we'll get another rob Lowe cameo (laughs) (laughs) that guy with clyden i hope not um <laughs> what else we got? 
the retracting of the um, of the roof was just just it just awe striking. Yeah, that was that was a really nice scene. Well done. Yeah, they're doing the effects on this show have been superb so far. Um, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that's you know very obviously CG, but it's not taking me out of it at all. Um, I think it's good CG. It's not like you know you put this next to Star Trek Discovery, and there's no comparison. Like Star Trek Discovery is spending a buttload of money on special effects that that I'm not seeing on the Orville, but that's not why I'm watching the Orville. Like I'm not watching the Orville for effects. I'm watching it for characters and you know the fact that it's the best Star Trek TV show on right now. Okay, let's go that direction. You brought up the elephant in the room. Is that, oh, that was the elephant. Yeah. Okay, segued <laughs> right into it. Um, yeah, there are. You could say there are currently two Star Trek shows on television right now. One that uses the format and tropes of Star Trek, and one that uses the title Star Trek. <laughs> Michael and I've warmed up on this discussion already and we'll, you know, we'll, we'll continue on it, but we need to address the fact that they're, that these two shows are currently out right now. And let me start by saying I'm, I, I do not hate Star Trek discovery as a Star Trek fan. I still love my Star Trek and I'm still interested in watching and seeing more Star Trek discovery. But that being said, I am happy and pleased that I have the Orville to provide the sort of Star Trek that I desire. Yeah, let me say, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan, but I don't really want my Star Wars in my Star Trek. And there's that sort of, it was, it was somewhat Star Wars-y, I will give you that. Mm. I mean, holograms aside. Um... <laughs> <laughs> Michael, what are your initial thoughts on Discovery? Uh, so, I, I, I've I watched the first two episodes under the free subscription, and I have now canceled my subscription. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm still interested in the show, um, and uh, I mean Dan and I talked at length about this on on Nerd World, which will you know I'm sure drop after this episode drops, but uh, yeah. So, I don't know. I, just, I don't want to repeat everything that I said there, but um, you know, I'm interested in the show, but what I wasn't interested in is like, so it's 15 episodes and I started doing the math and um, like, I want, you know, CBS all access offers two different options. You can get it like $6 a month with commercials or $10 a month without commercials. I'm a no commercials kind of guy. So um, to watch 15 episodes. Well, and, and they're also, it's so, so weird that they're, they're taking a break in December um, like you would on a normal network show, you know, like they're ending, they're, they're, they're ending in November around sweeps time. They're picking up in like January or February again, like around sweeps time, which just doesn't make any sense to me. But anyway, I was going to have to spend, I don't know how many tens of dollars, you know, to, to, to kind of stay with the show and, and keep my subscription going throughout its life. And uh, so I decided, you know, I'm interested in it, but I'm not so interested that I want to spend like 80 bucks on this first season. Um, so what I'll do is like when it's all out there and available, maybe I'll renew my subscription, um, you know, and binge it all in, in a month's time. Yeah, I've, I've uh, had a pre-existing all access subscription for a while now. And um, I don't see. Yeah, we reason. learned. We learned. Uh, we learned in a previous episode that Joe loved the show Two Broke Girls. Hey, I, it's okay. I, it's all right. I watched that show for a little while too. Cat <laughs> <laughs> Denning, man. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, so with CBS All Access, I'm I'm just going through the uh, the old Twilight Zone episodes because they actually have the fourth season, whereas uh, Netflix does not. Looking mm-hmm. at you, Netflix. Yeah, I went ahead and got the CBS access. Um, I just went ahead and got it. I think we got it the night that the Emmys were on because my wife wanted. Too bad we don't have CBS. We can't watch it, the Emmys. I went to get CBS access. We're getting it anyway for Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Um, 
but I haven't, I have not done all the math like you have, Michael. I, I went ahead and just went with the six dollars because I don't really mind commercials that much. Having grown up watching commercials all the time, it's kind of mm. use. I'm kind of used to commercials. I like the breaks to be able to go take a leak, and I know I can pause it. But that's you know, as soon as a commercial starts, it's like Pavlov's dog. I'm like, oh, let's go see what's in the kitchen to eat. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'm craving some pudding or something. <laughs> So saving some pudding <laughs> on you and, um, you know, and still gold commercial jingles from the back in the day go through my head all the time. I mean, I'm always saying, I wish I was an Oscar Mayer wiener or Libby, Libby, Libby on the table, table, table. Um, <laughs> pop, pop, fizz, fizz. So yeah, exactly. Uh, th- throw some old commercials in your episodes there, Seth. <laughs> so, <laughs> and I understand there's a lot of ire from Star Trek fans about having to pay for a new episode of Star Trek, but the ire, another yeah, friend, they're, they're pissed. <laughs> yeah. And it's not that big of a deal to me. I mean, like I said, I'm dropping six bucks a month when it comes down, you know, there's might be what two or four episodes a month. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So except for that month in December that you pointed out that they're going to get me. Um, so it's a buck 25 an episode. Plus, I can also watch all the other Star Treks if I want to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think if Star Trek fans looked at it as like, hey, it's $6 a month for all you can watch Star Trek. Start, if they just titled it Star Trek Access. Yeah. yeah. Well, right now that stuff's still on Netflix. I mean, it's, the second they yank it off of there, I'm signing up for All Access again anyway because I, I want it. Yeah, but, it's like what they're doing with, Di- or what Disney's doing to Netflix. They're right. doing their own streaming service, so. Well, I'll keep Netflix for original programming, I think. That's pretty much all I watch. Yeah, that, well, uh, that's their plan. Too. That that's- and the Minions, my daughter loves it. Um, <laughs> but let's get back to Discovery. Let's compare the two shows, the Orville and Discovery, to Star Trek in general. I'm just going to outright ask you guys, what's more Star Trek to you, the Orville or Discovery? The Orville. Yeah, the Orville totally. is definitely more. Yeah. I mean, the irony around Star Trek Discovery is I would probably like it more if I hadn't just started watching the Orville. Like, if that was all that I had access to, no pun intended, <laughs> um, I, would, I, I would be much more satisfied by it. Um, but the fact that I've been watching the Orville now uh, and just how Star Trek it feels to me um, and just how it, it is completely scratching the Star Trek itch that I've had. Like it, it is exactly what, um, well, <laughs> I was going to say it's exactly what I've wanted out of a Star Trek series, but it's not, it, it's more than I've wanted that I, that I thought I was ever going to get out of a Star Trek series just because I really like kind of the irreverence of it. Like it's, it's respectful to the show, uh, to the, to Star Trek, but it's so, you know, just irreverent about it that, uh, um, I, I love it. And, you know, I don't know. I could go on and on. I, I really love, I know you guys, I think we're talking about the, the transporters and how there's no transporters. And, um, and, and that was like something that McFarlane purposely took out because he wanted to kind of challenge himself, uh, with, you know, from a writing perspective. And I love that because transporters are stupid. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's just from a writing standpoint, like you guys were saying, it's, it's like having, you know, cell phones in, in, um, you know, in our thrillers, it's like either it takes out the the tension and the drama of it because you know they have an easy way out, or you got to come up with a really stupid way to disable the cell phone or disable right. the transporter. Yeah. Too far out I mean, in the woods. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or there's you know some kind of you know disturbing field, you know electromagnetic blah 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 <laughs> techno babble. It's always the, the damn ion storms. Yeah, yeah. We're always in an ion storm. So <laughs> I just, I love that. I love that they got to get in a ship and go places, you know, every time they want to leave their ship. So that's awesome. I, I love, and this is, this episode is a perfect example. Um, uh, the, uh, the one we watched this week. Um, I, I love that there's no prime directive. Yes. Uh, I mean, this episode would have gone completely different. You had this been the enterprise crew. Um, and, yeah, and, and we would have. I, I think we would have had you know 
they would have disguised one of them have had disguised and gone undercover and for months and you know <laughs> well you know and, and we got a little bit of that um but it would have turned into an episode all about should we or shouldn't we get ourselves involved in this um and we can't because the prime directive but we really want to because they're you know we have to save them and and that's what the whole episode would have been about and in the orville they don't have to deal with all of that they can just tell whatever story they want to tell without kind of getting locked into you know kind of the star trekiness of it yeah they're not and, lighting themselves into a corner right right and this episode had definitely had you know people are comp- more people keep people seem to compare it more to next generation mm-hmm. than the original series but i think it's more along the lines of the original series and um i thought yeah command performance is very much along the lines of the original series yeah um, you know i i i agree the uh with the original series assessment it, it to me it's it's more like the original series with next generation aesthetic yes i'll buy that about a girl that would tend that one kind of went more towards the next generation um type of feel to it or thematics about it because uh, we uh we mentioned on nerd world that every there were a lot of tribunals and juries and courts in next generation right um, <laughs> <laughs> and i felt that this last episode was along the lines of next generation uh, not next generation the original series comparing it to like let's say you know the infamous nazi episode of the original series or the gangster episode of the original series where they had to deal with a in this episode of uh the orville they dealt with a theological dictatorship Mm -hmm. and you gotta be you know hidden under a rock forever to not find the parallels to what's going on today Right, right. Yep. In our political system. I mean, it's, I think, I think Seth was, you know, he was on to something with this episode. I mean, I, uh, much like the original series did more than Next Generation, I think this one definitely had a comment on, you know, let's just call it, you know, our political our current political situation in a way. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It it definitely felt like an indictment on that. And that's one of the things I dug. I, I dig about star Trek. And, you know, I didn't get it when I was a kid originally watching star Trek, uh, back in the day, of course, you know, I just thought it was, you know, I was much more into triple episodes and, you know, specter, the gun episodes, that sort of stuff. Um, but it was later, as as I matured that my appreciation for episodes of the original Star Trek along the lines of let this be your last battlefield and such where I understood the allegories that were being made Mm -hmm. and I appreciate the fact that the Orville while it's a dramedy appears to be going down that same taking that same path that the original series and of course the next generation did as well. And I've expressed views on other podcasts about Voyager. What do you, what you guys got any thoughts along my rant there? Yeah, I, I think you're right. Um, I did have a thought as you were saying, but then you went into Voyager and that clearly <laughs> <derailed> me. <laughs> um, what were you saying right before? Oh, the, I know what it was. I think that's what I meant when I was talking about how it's respectful of Star Trek without without, without kind of being reverent about it. Um, and it's respectful in the sense that it's it's willing to go these places and tell these kinds of stories um, that the best Star Trek episodes did. Um, and But it, you know, it does it in a really funny way and, and, and without taking the characters too seriously, um, but it still takes the situations seriously, if that makes sense. Yep. Yeah, that 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 makes perfect sense. The situations, um, again, this uh, theological dictatorship, the um, the issues about the baby's gender and the Mocklin society, um, are very 
heavy issues. Um, I guess the heaviest issue that we got in command performance really was how fucked up we are as a human race in our television watching today with reality TV. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I still think they need to revisit the uh, the Caliban Society later on and see how reality TV has just destroyed the entire civilization. That's a good, that would be a good plot point right there. I mean, how it just, you know, because they're what? They're the smartest yeah. species in the whole galaxy, uh, the whole universe. So it would be good to see how Honey Boo Boo just... Um, <laughs> You know, <laughs> f- destroys them. You know they're going to start their own reality TV shows because they're not going to ha- want just to stop with watching the humans. They're going to like start their own, and it, yeah, it'll t- tear down their society. Yeah. Um, now, I let if if we proclaim that Seth is a genius for setting these kind of seeds already, that would be awesome. If the show lasts ten seasons, and we do get an episode or two later down the line about how because of no prime directive, we've completely fucked over <laughs> that, you know, species by giving them reality TV. Um, other little, you know, the, my vocabulary is escaping me right now, but it was, um, you know, just the talk, talk about relationships, how we brought it up, how that might come into play later in a couple episodes when comparing, uh, Kelly and Ed's relationship to, uh, Boris and Clyden. Um, so if we set up that little bit of, you know, that little bit of uh, plot right there for a later episode, uh, something that was maybe a little more vague. You guys remember in the first episode when they're down on that scientific lab and they're just got done dealing with the redwood seeds and they're walking past that alien looking through some sort of microscope. Yeah. Mm hmm. Did you guys catch how Lara lingered and they stared at each other? Yeah. Yeah, I totally did. I couldn't tell if he was like checking her out as she was leaving or, but, but yeah, she kind of like just stopped and watched him a little bit and he, he looked back and yeah. Now that totally. same alien was in the earlier in that episode in the, in the hangar. Now I don't know if it's that same alien, but that same species. Huh? Okay. If you go back and check out the crowd, you could see one of those in there as well. I'm wondering if this 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 alien might be some sort of what was it in Next Generation with Wesley the Traveler? Oh, <laughs> you guys know yeah. what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah totally. Um, I, I think that's an outlandish theory, but <laughs> 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 do I sound like a real Orville fan? With <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but it would. I would like to see just a just a you know give the finger to people who've blown off the orville because they thought it was going to be a, a dick and fart joke science fiction show yeah i'm still convinced that's why the critic uh rating was so low because that's what they were expecting absolutely and that's fine and but i hope that there's a whole i mean i'd love to find out that you know somewhere in the basement of fuzzy door productions uh, Seth MacFarlane's got this huge bulletin board up with all these plot points with the strings attaching <laughs> and bringing them all together and a complicated web of how involved this show is actually going to be. Yeah, that would be awesome. I, <laughs> I, I, I kind of also like the idea that he's not completely making it up as he goes along, but he needs to be leaving himself some wiggle room to kind of like let creativity strike. And, um, and, and, you know, one of the fun things about writing and you know, this Dan is like you, you, you put a scene like that, it, like Laura looks at this random scientist dude and he kind of looks back and maybe there's something that the actor did. Um, and then you watch it on screen, you go, Oh, that, that was kind of a weird little moment. And then like, maybe later on you go, Oh, you know, we could maybe do something with that or and bring that back. Yeah. That's, maybe. that's always fun. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, now speaking uh, of, yeah, go ahead, Michael. Well, I just uh, thinking about um, Alara's you know love life, <laughs> um, <laughs> just because they started to introduce it in this, like you know she was dating this guy that we we've never seen him, right? Like, no. right? Yeah, um, and then she kind of expresses a little bit of interest in the captain, um, and I thought they were going to do that. I th- like, I really thought they were going to try to do some kind of spark between her and the uh the alien kid on the spaceship 
Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but they didn't. But um, they they're definitely planting some seeds about uh, you know that she's that maybe they're going to be exploring like her her dating life at some point. No, it'd be it'd be interesting to um, see more life type stuff on the on board the Orville. Right. Um, like how they touched on you know, Portis and Clyded. So, no, I'm along with that. I um, Back to the subject of how involved these story, how involved the Orville can go story-wise. Do you think it j- would just work good as it is now as a one-hour or 42-minute, 44-minute television episode once a week? Or do you th- think that they could branch out and explore other things through other tie-ins say you know are you guys are you guys checking amazon for the orville book or no but waiting to hear dark horse announce that they got the orville comic book series coming out (laughs) yeah it's it's funny you say that because like just today i was looking through a previous catalog um and i got to the titan comics section and i think if anybody would pick up the orville it's probably be titan comics because they do you know, um, their most of their stuff is licensed, and a lot of it is TV show adaptations. They got like Doctor Who and um, a lot of video games and stuff. Um, and, and I thought about, it, I was like, kind of part of me got excited. Like, oh yeah, what if it was an Orville comic? But you know, I've always been disappointed in comic book adaptations of my favorite TV shows, whether it's Star Trek or X Files. Um, except or, when or, I was editing Star Trek at IDW. Except when. Right, exactly. Yeah, exactly. okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it, it, that's not to say that I've not enjoyed them, but it doesn't ever scratch the same itch for me that watching the TV show does. And, um, I mean, there, there's some super talented people working on them, and some of them are my friends. So I, it's, um, it is not at all uh, a, a comment on the quality of those the, of the comics. Um, but... You know, I think some things, some stories are best told in TV form, and some other stories are best told in comic book form. And so, I guess that's just a long-winded way of saying that I don't get super excited about. Oh, they're doing a comic book adaptation now of, of my favorite movie or TV show. And you like you do um, in print media some backstory and fill in between timelines. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I, I don't really latch on to that too much anymore either it's uh as i've gotten older i think i've liked the idea of um leaving some of those things unexplored so that my imagination can just kind of fill in the gaps uh i think it was the star wars prequels that uh (laughs) probably the the old star wars expanded universe (laughs) yeah yeah i mean some of that's yeah some of that's kind of fun like i was really into um, like there was a novelization, not a novelization, it was like an anthology, like Tales from the Masasli Cantina. And each, uh, each, uh, story in the anthology was like a backstory of a different alien in the, in the Masasli Cantina. And on one level, that stuff is really fun to read. Um, but another level, it, it takes away whatever my interpretation of, was of, um, you know, what, what those, those, uh, those characters. Um, and so, I think I, that's one of the reasons I've kind of moved away from a lot of like expanded universe stuff in general is because I would just prefer to make up my own headcanon about, uh, you know, how, how this might've happened in the past or something. Now, that being said, uh, going back to Star Trek discovery, watching that episode, we, do, we had a lot of Klingons, even if they mm-hmm. may not have looked like our favorite type of Klingons, however favorite type of Klingons that may be. But there was a lot of discussion about Kalis in the episode. Right. Um, now, I think I got more out of that episode because back in the day, I did read that Kalis novel. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, but I, you know, I didn't read. I haven't read every Star Trek book novelization or novel tie-in out there either, because there's way too many of them. But I kind, I enjoy that sort of stuff, um, and I'm wondering how well, like a little backstory, because okay, here's let's let's bring up this point right here. Back in the old Starmageddon, uh 
podcast, we talked to David A. Goodman because he wrote a um, autobiography of James T. Kirk, right? Right. And that was a good, fun book. I liked it a lot. Uh, and turns out, guess what David A. Goodman is executive producer of right now? The Orville. And he just shared today that um, he has a new book coming out called The Autobiography of Jean-Luc Picard. Oh, sweet. Now, how would you feel if David A. Goodman wrote The Autobiography of Ed Mercer? Are you ready yeah. for are you ready for that or do you need to see seven seasons and a movie before you go? <laughs> I, I might I might need to see that because I, I kind of feel like I know as much as I need to know right now about Ed and Kelly. Um, the now, fact that was, he has a no bowling law named after him, <laughs> I love. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'm enjoying like kind of finding out those tidbits like as we go. Um but uh, but if he did like the autobiography of Bordas, I think that would be I would be into that. Um, or you know, I'm, I'm actually I'm really interested in uh, Doctor Finn. Um, I don't. Yeah, there's think, more to her, isn't there? Yeah, I mean, they, she she has not had her moment to shine yet, but I really like that actress a lot, and um, and I, I'm really really curious and excited to see what they do with her character. Um, because right now she's just kind of like the Mr. Miyagi of the group. She's, uh, you know, just the voice of wisdom, like the most experienced person on the ship, which is cool. Uh, but I also want to see her like develop and grow somehow too. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, there there are lots of opportunities. I think there are, there are plenty of books that could be written and comic books too um, that would, based on the kind of story they were telling, I think grabbed my attention and, and made me want to check it out. Um, and part of that's just because I'm so in love with the show right now that yeah, I just want more. <laughs> yeah. I, I want, I want my action figures. I've never <laughs> bought a Funko, uh, pop vinyl yet, but now I want them done sitting on my shelf. Um, I want, uh, I want my Orville lunchbox and thermos. Oh, I do too. Uh, <laughs> we we definitely need our our Justin the Ogre action figure, and and that one's for you, Patrick. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so Who I followed today, by the way, on Twitter. He is such a nice guy. <laughs> he um, was really nice. Yeah, he's as delightful as the uh, Justin the Ogre. Patrick is. Um. So bed sheets. There you go. Or yeah, let's just. Uh, I I need a I need an Orville model sitting on my desk. Um. I, I I want the gun. I like how their communicators are more like smartphones because they can show photos and stuff. We saw that. Mm-hmm. Um, they all look like they might even have some sort of tr- a tricorder type ability to them in this episode. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, Fox. Um, let's uh, we, we take our money now. We want official Orville merchandise. Um, we're ready to spend. Um, what else we got, Joe? Uh, well, we, which we announced on, on Twitter and Facebook and everywhere else possible. Uh, we, we are very excited for next week's episode. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, I uh, think that's the reason Michael's on this one. He thought maybe he'd show up this time. Um, but we're having Jonathan Frakes next episode to talk about the episode of Orville that he is directing. Um, and that's Priya, and that's going to have some actress named Charlize Theron in it as well. So we're very interested, and we cannot wait to talk to uh, Jonathan Franks about uh, his experience with the Orville. Uh, it makes me very happy that the only way you taught me as a guest is Jonathan Franks. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's what I'm telling myself anyway. <laughs> uh, yeah, we've... Uh, not to tease our crowd, uh, like we did, we mentioned David A. Goodman earlier. We are going to have him on later in the um, in a couple episodes as well, and we'll ask him when we're getting the autobiography of Ed Mercer, um, our Bordis. Um, yeah, we've got a lot of guests that we've uh, got lined up uh, for future episodes, so you're going to want to stick around for that. Yeah, we um, seem to we're we're getting uh, requests from the cast to. Uh, to book on our show during their their uh, feature episodes. Yeah, so 
when they say this is when we want to be on, that's when we say we'd love to have you on then. Absolutely. <laughs> we will take it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anything? What else we got, Joe? Uh, we've got a lot of new, uh, reviews and ratings, uh, from iTunes and everywhere else around the internet, uh, running a, uh, promotion right now. Yeah, that's right. If, um, information about it is on our Twitter and our Facebook. And basically what we're doing is we're bribing you to, uh, go to iTunes and, uh, subscribe to the planetary union, the Orville fan podcast to listen to an episode and then to leave an honest review but and by honest we mean five star review and nothing but praise <laughs> <laughs> and um we're gonna pick one random person uh, i think this is gonna run through october 15th and then we'll pick one of the random uh people who do who do jump through those hoops for us that they will win a season pass on itunes for the orville sweet yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I mentioned Facebook and Twitter. That's where you want to follow us on Facebook. It's Planetary Union Network. And on Twitter, it's pl- at planetary underscore union. And other than just telling you, hey, this is when our episodes are uh, coming out, or hey, these are our guests that we're going to have, we also try to supply a lot of. Orville news that you may not read elsewhere. Uh, links to various uh, Orville information that we scour the internet for so you do not have to. We are your one-stop one-stop stop? Does that one make stop sense? Shop. One-stop shop for... I love you, um, Dan. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I gave up drinking five years ago. <laughs> and um, so anyway, yeah, we're your one stop shop for news regarding the Orville. I think that pretty much covers up all the business, correct, Joe? I think so. All right, Michael. Um, thanks for coming on board, even though you weren't uh, an alien in an episode yet. <laughs> I'm working on it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if there's any way that happens, we should all be aliens somewhere in the background. Yes. Um, that would be awesome. And uh, again, thank you to all our listeners for um, choosing us to be your podcast of choice uh, regarding the Orville. And until next time, I'm still trying to think up a clever catchphrase to close with. You donkey-hugging arborists. (laughs) Good night, Joe. (laughs) 